What's up, listeners and supporters of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast? We need some help from you, and it won't take up too much of your time. As we grow, we always want to hear your feedback, so take a minute or two to fill out a short, anonymous survey. The survey link is right in the episode notes for this podcast. It's easy and takes less than five minutes. As always, we thank you for your continued support. Podcast episode 190. Dexter Henry, Brian Fonseca here doing this. Uh, just us haven't done it with just us in a little bit, but yeah. we are here. The summer, unbelievably, is coming to an end. We are closer and getting closer to the end of summer, closer to Labor Day as we're now August. And we'll have a we'll have another episode and a little break uh, after that for people. We're back, Brian. How are you doing? How's your summer going? It's been a busy summer for me. How's it been for you? You know it's been very busy for me as well. Trying to move these books, trying to move these units. You know what I'm saying? Uh, trying to get, trying to get more covers. But we have some nonfiction people, you know, uh, putting their stuff out there, and uh, you know, sort of manipulating the market a little bit. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> nah man. That's, gotta, just That's just a tease. That's just a tease because we got we got an episode coming out. Now nah, I'm saying you get both. But uh, yeah, nah, we got uh, we got Hidalgo Heights out, and we have a, uh, you know, a career stuff can get uh, very interesting over the next month or two. Career stuff, uh, always, career stuff can always get interesting the next day or two. Yeah, that's true. So vague, but like you know, we might we might have some uh, announcements coming forth on the A Hard to Tell podcast. But what I will also say is by Hidalgo Heights, because more and more people are telling me they like the shit. And more and more people are starting to get it. So we're seeing that uptick. And you already know you want to get involved before the white people come out and start supporting during Hispanic Heritage Month. That's coming soon, <laughs> September 15th to October 15th. We out here, baby. And there will be a sequel. <laughs> yeah, well, there we go. Uh, big announcement, big news there. But the big news for us to talk about on this podcast, because we are the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, Nas dropped a new album. Brian and I were excited about this last year. We got a studio album from Nas King's Disease, uh, which, you know, we hadn't heard Nas in a full studio album at that point in eight years. Very excited. Brian and I both last year had that as our album of the year. Nas drops last Friday King's Disease 2. Brian and I have sat with this for a while. Of course, Brian and I listened to this immediately when it dropped at midnight because <laughs> this is what we do. And Brian and I were texting uh, through the latter part of the listening process album because this is what we do whenever Nas album drops. We did the same thing with Kings of These One, in case anyone was wondering. Um, this album dropped, and it's you know I haven't Brian. I, I stay away from a lot of reviews. You know this about me. When I when I watch something or I, I listen to something or read something, I generally stay away from a lot of reviews to not skew my thing of it i'll eventually go and see what other people thought about it but i don't really care whatever all y'all think all the time so you know i've sat with i care about some people i'll talk to hip-hop about on this stuff so brian's telling texting me i cared what brian had to say <laughs> um don't necessarily care about uh, everybody else you know my, my boy's a big nice fan he hit me up we talked about it um a lot of the early reaction to this was overwhelmingly positive um 
from what I've seen, the little bit I've seen on Twitter, the little bit some people have commented to me on certain tracks. Um, very interesting. And I will preface our conversation by saying this, to be completely honest. When Nas announced this the week before it dropped, I saw his King's Disease 2, and I'm like, all right, cool. You know, Nas had a great jo- job with Hit Boy in the first one. I am very wary of sequels in terms of movies, books, especially when it comes to albums in terms of hip-hop. Most sequels in hip-hop, they're, they're usually not good or they're very underwhelming compared to the first, right? Like this this happens where it just won't live up to the expectation of the first. Or And, you know, I kind of wish we'd probably get away in hip-hop from doing the ones, the twos, the threes. But, you know, people do it. It's whatever. For example, Blueprint, one of the best hip-hop albums of all time. Blueprint 2, good album, by no means whack. Probably shouldn't have been a double disc, like Nazi Street's Disciple. But it's not the Blueprint, right? Like, it's not. So I have this worry going into King's Disease with this. With that being said, listen to King's Disease. Uh, Full transparency, my first reaction to it was like, this is good. I like the ender the second half of the album a lot better than the first i technically still feel that way although there were songs in the beginning of the album that have grown on me a bit that i didn't like uh at first that have now grown on me some more so overall i felt like it was pretty comprehensive brian what was your reaction uh first listen and then i'm assuming you've sat through and listened to this i've listened to it in its entirety five times through already uh, so it's, got, it's had five listens. I'm assuming you've probably listened to about the same. But talk to the people about what your first reaction was and then you know how you're feeling sitting with it a little bit longer. King's Disease 2. I've probably done the album front to back uh, about five or six times. But there are certain songs I've definitely played more than others in repeating them. One of them being Death, Death Row East, which uh, we talked a little bit about through text, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, I want to point out the reviews, the early reviews, because you did say that you stay away from that. Yeah, uh, I not any. I was on the Twitter streets just sort of, you know, surveying what the reaction is out of intrigue or whatever. And a bunch of people that I follow were talking about the album as of what came out. Um, I had my own decisions, and I feel like I do a pretty good job of not letting people influence me in that way. So I was looking at what people were saying to compare it to last year. And I remember last year there were there were some nerves, Nas, Hit Boy, this is kind of weird, this is going to work, whatever the case may be. And while many of the reactions were positive, there were some mixed, you know, like the album is mid, um there were some, you know, less than favorable reviews from some of the outlets that cover music like Pitchfork and the Rolling Stone in particular had two uh, reviews on it that weren't as good, uh, both of which we disagreed with up here vehemently. Uh, the Rolling Stone dude, I forget the writer's name, but he got really mercilessly clowned on Twitter after that. Um, and the critical reviews early on for this are, as you said, overwhelmingly positive, I would say, because... I think this sort of happens, right? Like, you don't really like sequels, but generally speaking. But a lot of people seem to like sequels and or just the idea of, okay, now we're comfortable with the Nas and Hit Boy sound. So now we're going to like this album immediately or more immediately than we did last year. I think a lot of people have that sort of thought because in the early reviews, the Metacritic average, which for King's Disease is in the low 70s, for King's Disease 2 is 96. 
Now that's not going to sustain itself because you're still waiting on reviews from like Hip Hop DX, Pitchfork, and some of the other ones. But in terms of like the review standpoint, the Independent gave it a five out of five. Um, NME, wow. yeah, NME New Musical Express, which is also from Britain, gave it a five out of five. Clash was seven out of ten. The Line of Best Fit, I actually don't know what that is, but they're a London-based organization. Nine out of ten, and Exclaim gave it an eight out of ten. The Metacritic is a 96. I am not picking up that phone. So basically, when it comes to the Nas album, for me, I think that all of that is well and good. I just also think that, you know, 96 is kind of high because you're literally talking about Illmatic. I don't know what you have to say about that before I get deeper into my review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I mean, yes, I do think it's kind of high. And I will say I do like Metacritic as a means of looking at stuff because I love what Metacritic does and taking all these different reviews and averaging. So I do look for a lot of stuff. When I'm on the fence about something or I don't know if I should listen to something or watch something, I'll go to Metacritic and be like, yo, what's, especially if it's been out for some time, what's the average? Or I generally go back and look at stuff like, hey, I thought this was really good. How did it get reviewed across the board um, You know, over time? I'll do that. I, I, yeah, 96 is probably high. You're talking about that's exceptionally great album territory, right? We're talking like masterpiece albums here. I do not think this is in that stratosphere of albums. Um, I just don't think it's there. I think it's good. I do want to say something, B, to what you said about sequels and why you think people generally like them and they get used to a sound. Because I actually think that's a really good point. And I think there's something that should be differentiated with King's Disease 2 to some of the other sequels I would have mentioned, whether it's like Blueprint 2, or only built for Cuban links to, or whatever two in hip hop. Yeah, because this know, is harder to. Yeah, because this is one artist, one producer. That's the difference here, yeah. right? And I think that's where you get used to something being a little bit better sonically is because this is one artist, one producer. I do think there's something you said about people getting comfortable to sound. I wasn't really worried about the Nas and Hip Boy sound even before Kings Disease One. wasn't really a concern for me. Um, I thought it was interesting, refreshing to see uh, Nas work with one producer. I think it's also refreshing to see that they had the chemistry and were still able to do it again here on this album. That's good to see. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let you continue. I'll get more into my, my thoughts, you know, on the album, standout tracks and, and of, the, of that so far. But, yeah, I, I, I think it's a really good album. I will say initially I had it about a 7 out of 10. That's what some, one of the reviews Brian mentioned it said. And, you know, upon now, I've sat with it more. I'm kind of solidly at an 8 out of 10. I think it's a very good album. 8 out of 10 is really good. It's a really good body of work. I would have liked the album to be a little bit tighter. It is 15 tracks. I probably would have tightened it down. I know early on I told Brian I'd probably take off five tracks. I've come down on that. I'd probably get rid of two or three. Maybe if it got it down to 13 or 12, would have liked that a little bit better. But, no, it's a really good It's a really good project. And it should. you should be impressed by the fact Nas and Hip Boy have shown such good chemistry once again you know it almost i generally don't say this i rarely ever say this about anything king's disease three why not right like why not here i mean the chemistry has been really good and i think when you get these in hip-hop with a rapper and producer where there's such good chemistry you know you want more of that even if the album title is different or whatever but i think it is a good thing that there aren't too many um, cooks in the kitchen on these last two Nas albums. It's just been Hit Boy and him. They've locked in. They've made really good songs. Nas has had stuff to say. Um, I don't think thematically King's Disease 2, we'll get into which one we think is better, is is 
nearly as tight or the same as KD one, but yo man, it's 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 a dope project. I'm definitely enjoying it, and I'm I can't say I'm happy to see that it's getting critical acclaim. Don't think it's quite as good as some people or other people are saying, but it's definitely damn good. Well, I'm glad it's getting critical acclaim because we've talked about this. Nas is just left out of a lot of hip hop conversations, which is ridiculous. Like, because that's fucking Nas at the end of the day. And, like, you'll just hear somebody name, like, just dudes in any sort of conversation at, you know, the best at whatever. And then you'll, you'll always hear Jay. You'll always hear, like, certain other people. You'll hear a lot of Andre 2000. And for some reason, people just sort of leave Nas off as if he isn't on their mind in whatever the conversation is. But See, that hasn't been my experience. That really hasn't been that. that he's one of those that. that should be in every conversation. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, you'll see, like, rankings for the best albums from 2012, and then Life is Good is not there. You'll see stuff from, like, the best albums from 2001, and still Matic is lower than it should be, et cetera, et cetera, going back to it. Even last year with King's Disease. I don't think that last year King's Disease got the album love that it should have uh, because people were excited about other projects that weren't nearly as good. And um, I think this year with King's Disease 2, I think more people are actually going to, you know, show him some respect on what this was. Was it better than Kings of Seas 2? I don't know, but I feel like this is one that's going to get more uh, critical love as, we, as we've already seen early on. Now, going into it, um, I had slight reservations because it felt like a quick turnaround. I thought that Nas was going to like just, he dropped the Spotify single, he dropped EPMD. I thought he was going to maybe take the year off from doing a, a larger project, but evidently, him and Hitboy recorded a lot of stuff whenever they had those recording sessions, and probably they added on more, but they spent a lot of time around each other, and, you know, maybe because of COVID, he's just had more time to record and has had more stuff on his mind that he's wanted to say, so all power to him. I thought that this could have been, you know, I was even surprised that it was 15 songs, because I thought that it could have been easy, like 10 or 12 or whatever, as you mentioned, but, like, there's only a couple songs that I probably would take exception to, but I mean, most of the album I thought was really good. And as I kept hearing it, like my first instincts were like, okay, this is going to be one of the best albums of 2021. Um, we're going to be talking about it in our year end end of the year episode uh, for albums of the year. Most definitely. I believe that it's going to probably be in both of our top tens because it's that good. I don't know where I'm not saying it's going to be number one, like King's disease was last year, but Right now, there ain't a lot of competition because you're talking about like J. Cole and, you know, Coda the, F the Fiend. And, you know, you ain't talking about like, uh, you know, much other else other than that. Isaiah Rashad just dropped. You and I haven't really gone too in depth in that yet. So we'll yeah. see. I was a few tracks on that yesterday. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to say. I was doing some cleaning with my nephew. I turned it on. It was. Um... And then you turned it off. Yeah, I, 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 I actually decided to go play Sylvia demo, so that might uh, say a lot about it. So I'll get, I'll, I'll give it a spin at some point. But going through, you know, the track list, like I think King's Disease One and what I really like about King's Disease One was sequenced like damn near perfectly, right? Well, do you, well, do you think? Let's get to this part of it. Do you think it's better? Do you think uh, what do you think is a better album? Is King Disease, King Disease? The original or King's Disease Two? So there's a lot of talk out there. I've had somebody message me that thinks it's better. Than the original do you think this album king's disease 2 is better than king's disease 1 i've seen a lot of people say that 2 was better and i think that's because we're just like instinctively scared at giving the first of anything props the first person to do whatever the first like whatever it is we're just scared to do that 
like I always use the example about TV shows. People don't really get on it until people start talking about the second season. And then it's like, okay, now let's start watching Top Boy. Let's start watching Rami, whatever the case may be. Let's start watching, you know, Power, whatever it is. So I think that for a lot of people, they think two is better because they're scared to say that the first are better. I haven't even seen a lot of hipster takes about whether or not. I mean, like, yo, nah, one is better, whatever, you know, fuck that. You know, it was the OG one. I haven't really seen a lot of that shit. For me, I hesitate to say two is better than one. I do think it's closer than what I thought initially. I think it's a lot closer than what I thought initially. And it's, I think, closer, it's closer to me than most sequel albums. I will say that. It's closer than most I sequel think, albums. I think there could be a world where we're, where I sit with this longer, and by the end of the year, I'm like, Two is two might be a, a little better than one, maybe, but I don't know. I wouldn't call that the favorite if we're using like betting odds or some shit like that. And I think that two also has the single best song between both projects, and that is the second song on the album. And that is Death Row East. That is the best song on either King's Disease See, project. I it has the most exceptional performance, the flow, the lyrics, the storytelling, the beat, like just all of that combined into one. That's going to be a song of the year contender for me. Death Row East is that good. I, I See, I agree. I will agree that King's Disease 2 probably has songs that are better than songs on King's Disease 1. There's probably a handful of them, actually, for me. But it's funny. You said Death Row East, which I like, which I really like a lot. You know, for me, that song is, to me, the standout track in this album is Nobody with Lord Hell. I think it's a standout track. It's another one, yeah. Um, I want to talk about that for a second. Yeah. So when I saw this track list, anybody knows me, has watched the podcast, you've seen me on here, I've had the Miseducation Lauren Hill t-shirt, rocked it on the show. It's one of my favorite albums. I love Miss Lauren Hill. I've seen Miss Lauren Hill live. Yes, she was late. Because um, <laughs> that's what happens when you see Lauren Hill live. And as, as Michael Grady once told us about the story about that on this podcast. And I did not know what to expect from that. When I saw the track, of course, I'm excited. Anytime we get some music now from Lauren, because she's kind of been out, the, out there, you're excited. I did not think she was going to rap. I thought this was going to be a hook. I thought this was going to be uh, If I Ruled the World Part 2 in a way, maybe, right? She rapped, rapped. She rapped, rapped. <laughs> and we haven't heard bars from Miss Hill in years. New bars on the studio track, at least. And it was good. Man, it was good. She still sounded great with the flow. She had a great line about, you know, she's out here saving souls and y'all care about my lateness, which is definitely sure to touch uh, anger a lot of people who were mad when <laughs> played to her shows. But, like, I still like the bar anyway. Whatever. No, I really like the song. Also, shout out to Nas for shouting out Grenada in the song. We, we, we like that. And um, no, I think the song is just fantastic. I find myself playing it over and over. There is a stretch on this album, track seven to nine, from Store Run uh, to Moments to Nobody that I just love. I think it's a great three tracks, three track stretch on the album. It's just fantastic, you know. But they are really good. I think those songs are probably better. And you could add Death Row East to that. Probably you're right, Brian. Better than anything on King's Disease One. I disagree with Brian's other point that King's Disease One is better sequenced and tighter. And I think it's a better, more complete body of work while King's Disease 2 might have songs that actually are better than on King's Disease 1. You know, and this is, I think that's, I value the tightness and the cohesiveness into an album. So I'm going to take KD1 over 2. But you're right, Brian, maybe you got to sit with these things more. Some of the reactions to this stuff is 
recency bias, how you feel in the moment. But look, right now, as Brian said, this is an album that you should listen to if you have not. It's absolutely worthy of bumping a bunch of times. Yeah. It feels like it has some strong replay value, uh, even in terms of sonically, very production. We even hear Nas over a trap uh, sounding beat. That's, on that's, that's one thing I, I want. Future vocals. That's one thing I wanted to point out because like, I had texted you that, I think the night the album dropped, maybe. I was like on it that quickly where I was like, I think Hit Boy did a better job in terms of production or I just prefer these beats than King's Disease 1 by a slim, very slim margin. There are beats on King's Disease 1 that I love. I love Blue Benz. I love Car 85. I mean, those two are, <laughs> you could argue those two are the best beats out of this entire, you know, sort of King's Disease experience. 27 Summers. 27 Summers. Oh my God. I love that one. But like, in turn, like, I love that Hit Boy, like, Hit Boy really, and we need to talk about Hit Boy briefly. But he, what he's done in terms of, Getting the most out of Nas, you know what I mean? Like, of all people, like, really figuring out what sound to use, when to use certain things, how to sort of let him breathe and let him get comfortable and really just get the most out of him and lock in with him in that way. Like, he's really been excellent at just laying down these tracks. He even had a verse on this album. Uh, which I enjoyed on a song called Composer for people yep. who don't know, like Hit Boy. Yeah, he raps also, uh, just not very frequently uh, and did, I think, more so early on. But, you know, doing all these things like Hit Boy is, is he's making another run at producer of the year. Last year was him easily. It was a runaway. It wasn't even close. The album I of the year it. race, the album of the year race was probably a little bit tighter. But, you know, he did this. He did the Benny Project. I'm just want to hear that Nas and Benny song. I thought that there was a chance that could have been on here, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. Um, hopefully, maybe it's King's a... King's Disease 3. <laughs> yeah, maybe King's Disease 3, or maybe Benny is going to you know, put it out on whatever project he puts out next. Uh, either way, we want to hear it. But, like, Hit Boy, he's nailed it. Like, I love his, his spin on the boom bap sound and modernizing it in a way that has Nas sounding fresh, sounding modern. Uh, not sounding like he's out of place, even on some of the trap songs, like on Spicy. It's 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 like if you're putting a trap beat under Nas vocals, yes, you want it to be something like Spicy. I think he did it again with 40 Side, 40 side uh, with y, YKTV, which is a song that I was nervous about when I saw it because I know what YKTV stands for. And I was like, all right, I'm hoping that, you know, Nas doesn't sound like the old guy in the club. You know probably, what I'm saying? Gotta be on the you know the vibes uh, <laughs> uh, tips, right? Yeah. But 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 it worked. I feel yeah, like it really worked. It a boogie was solid. YG's verse I really enjoyed. I think it's actually lyrically like better than Spicy, though. I still love like you know what Spicy brings to the table and it's concise and all those things. But YKTV is not corny at all. Like I think it's a song that works. Store run moments. Nobody. I mean. As you said, that's the of either album. That's the best three song run. That's a that's a that's a good three run song on a Nas album, as I've probably heard since Life Is Good, and I'm forgetting yeah. my order on this, which is really the end of the album when you got Cherry Wine and Stay and Bye Baby to close oh. the album. And you or know, or the first three, No yeah, introduction, A Queen Story, Locomotive. No, I think we're skipping one. 
No introduction. It's something else and then a queen story. I'm going to look this up. But basically, and then the second half of the album is really good, too, because you get all the soul samples that you enjoy. It was, uh, oh, it was actually no introduction, then locomotive, then a queen story. Oh, yeah, it's just, which is a great three-step song stretch. Now, yeah. Nas has had on some albums, and I thought about it, you saying that. There's also on Streets Disciple, he has Just a Moment, Reason, and I'm forgetting the song before that. It's escaping me right now. But that's another great three strong stretch. It's just like a great pocket of songs um, that I love on a Nas album. And this this one with this, like you said, with store run moments, nobody reminds me of that. Just that feeling where I can play those all in a row. Go ahead, Brian. You, you pulled it up. So it's rest of my life. Just a moment of, my of reasons. Yes. Those are the three. Because yes. I didn't. I, yeah, I didn't think you know my style, which comes right after reason no, was no, in no, that no, three. No, 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 it's not in that three. <laughs> no, but those three. Those three are, are really are really good into that. Like, I want to say back to Hit Boy. Um, I think when we talk about last year, before we wrap this up on the Nas album, I think when we talk about last year what you said about him and. He was a runaway producer of the year. Brian's right. I think we, Brian and I didn't even need to discuss that as a segment in our end of the year hip hop awards. We kind of was like, we knew, we we both knew what it was and who each other was picking. I Alchemist was number two, though. I was will say two. that. Respect. Respectfully. I think that you have to start talking about him because of these projects with Nas. Uh, you got to start talking about Hit Boy as one of the great producers, beside the other great work that he's done with tons of other artists. And, you know, I think when you see what I, I think a true mark of a great producer is when you can see them really put their stamp on an album with a sound. You remember that whether they had did a majority of the album the same way, like Just Blaze and Kanye did the majority of the blueprint or you got Kanye did B with Common. You have Hit Boy here with these King's Disease with Nas, Primo and uh, Royce's work on Prime. You know, when you kind of have those stamps on there that people have done, obviously Pete Rock with CL Smooth. Uh, back in the day, you kind of have these these kind of stamps by these producers. You know, even No ID with Jay on four four four, where you get that nice coherent sound. You know, he's done this on a couple albums. He did this on two albums last year. Uh, we talked to the Benny album, fantastic production, all the way through. So when you see this and you see somebody doing it, you're like, man, he's really elevating his craft. And just to be clear, folks, producing and the art of it is not just about you know, making the hot beats is also what Brian said. It's getting the most out of an artist, right? Getting them to get into songs creatively and make really good songs and have really good themes to albums and making sure you push them to be the greatest. They are. The great producers do that. And that's how you get that chemistry with a certain artist. It's not just about, oh, it's a hot beat and then Nas wrapped over it and, you know, was in his pocket or whatever. It's really about what is it being able to be brought out in the song? And Nas seems like he's had a lot to say. He's been very varied. He does not come across as like a, a old head on some of these songs that are a little bit more modern sounding or trap sounding. He's he's doing his thing on it um, and leaving, you know, the stuff the kids do to the kids while also pushing hip hop forward. And I like to see him do that. I love when we see artists like himself and, and, and Jay do that. So salute to Nas. King's Disease is a dope project. Hip Boy and Nas have done it again. I recommend people to check it out. Let us know what you think about the project. You know, I right now I've got it at an eight out of ten. Um, like Brian said, you know, you sit with it. Maybe uh, you know your thoughts change on it. You know, you'll see how it is over time. And who knows what we're talking about in December when we do the 2021 uh, Hip Hop Awards, or who else might drop by then? And you know, who knows? But at least now there's been some. You know, this year we'd have liked some more volume in terms of projects. But at least now we have some stuff at the top that I think Brian and I know where our stuff is going to be at the top in terms of things. And yeah. we'll see how that all shakes out um, in the end. But for now, 
you know, you got to celebrate and salute to Nas, man, and Hit Boy as well, too, for, you know, producing another really good album that the people can enjoy that I find myself with a lot of songs going back to and listening to for quite some time. Who knows, Brian? Maybe we get a, a another joint, King's Disease 3. Maybe that's coming soon. Backpack Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. This summer, Sports World, last couple of weeks, all the focus has been on the Summer Olympics, to which I have to ask Brian, like, did you enjoy the Olympic Games? Were you really watching the Olympic Games? I feel like I had a very interesting way I was watching the games. There's some stuff I was into, and then some stuff at some point I just checked out. Also didn't really care for the coverage, the way the Olympic Games is gone. We got to update the coverage in Olympic Games. It is way too antiquated. This is 2021. Can we watch this stuff live? You know, can we do that? Can we not just have everything catered to a primetime audience on old TV? People don't watch TV that way anymore. And NBC and the Olympics, at least here in this country, and I don't know how it is in other countries, but they're still doing it in this old format as if there's no internet or people don't know the results of these events well before uh, they're over because the games are in a time zone hours away. So that bothered me a little with the Olympics. I hope it improves. But, Brian, did you enjoy these Olympic games? Did you care as much? Or at some point were you tuned out? Yeah, you know, <laughs> like I tried. I really enjoyed uh, the basketball for mo- for the most part, um, but you know, it, it was tough. The time zone was challenging, but on top of that, just where to fucking find shit was really annoying. And Peacock is just not an app that's ready for this yet. Like they right. need to really, they need to the interface, the navigation. They need to refine it. It buffers a lot. Shit is annoying. Um, and how to find certain things? It's so it's damn near impossible. Like, I'll go on, and it'll be like, okay, you're gonna watch Tokyo tonight, and then you would think that the game would come on right after Team USA or whatever the case may be. Tokyo tonight, which is not a bad show. Carrie Champion and um. Kenny Main host that hosted that. And I thought they did a really good job. I thought Maria Taylor was fine. I thought Mike Tarico was Mike Tarico. And, you know, sort of just going on. I'm looking at I'm looking for stuff. I'm looking for games or whatever. And they're not there. Then I have to try to is it on NBC? No, is it on NBC Sports? Is it on USA? Is it on fucking Telemundo? Like, where is this shit? And that shit was annoying. And then there'll be like one of the important things would be on, like you would think that they would show like a, a quarterfinal basketball game or whatever, but no, they're putting on diving on the main channel. So it's like, all right, cool. So let me go find us on Peacock. And like, it was just exhausting. Um, didn't help matters matters that the Puerto Rican national team women's basketball got fucking rocked all three games. 
um, that they played. But shout out to them for qualifying for the first time. The program seems to be looking up. Um, some good things I'll mention. Like, again, the basketball was entertaining. Luka Doncic. Woo! That motherfucker, man. That dude, like, he, Told came, he came in the first game of the Olympics against Argentina, one of the best four or five basketball programs in the world. Not even just now, but of the last 20 or so years, maybe even longer at this point. Um, the only other team to win a gold medal, by the way, uh, you know, since the United States started using NBA players in 1992, because they won the 2004 gold medal, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he dropped 47 on them in the first game, and they just beat the hell out of them. And he nearly, like, we didn't talk enough about this, like, as a nation, but... And it's ironic because we probably talk about Luka Doncic too much in the NBA. But internationally, it's like, dude, in Eurobasket 2017, Goran Dragic was the MVP of that tournament. Slovenia mm -hmm. never finished above, like, top four or whatever in Eurobasket or something like that. And Luka Doncic was the 18-year-old on the team who made all tournament. And only five dudes made all tournament. And then the year after, still doesn't go number one in the draft. Even after doing that, then winning MVP of the EuroLeague. Not of La Liga, but of the EuroLeague. It yeah. didn't make a lot of sense, right? And then he brings Slovenia to the Olympics. They've never been to the Olympics before. Never. It's hard to get to the Olympics, man. Only 12 teams make it. There are 168 men's programs and 124 women's programs ranked by FIBA. Okay, that's 292 programs. 24 make it to the Olympics, 12 and 12. That is crazy. Slovenia has never been. There are good countries that are good at basketball. Dominican Republic, men, never been. Their women, never been. You know what I mean? Puerto Rico, their men's team has a hard time getting in after they used to get in a lot more often. Slovenia never been in until this year. Not only that, they go undefeated in group play. They win in the quarterfinal. I'm forgetting against who, but it doesn't matter at this point. And then they nearly medal. They lost to Australia at the end. They lost to France on a last-second block. Had that not happened, maybe we're talking about them getting a gold or silver against USA. And that's all off the back of what Luka Doncic sort of empowered them to do. And, by the way, he wasn't the only dude on that team that was playing well. Zoran Dragic, Goran's brother. Goran didn't play. Zoran Dragic had some good games, you know, when they were playing out there in the Olympics. Like... Slovenia's got some guys, man. And Luka Doncic is, I mean, 20, what is he, 22? 22. Like, I, like what he did on an international stage, they were 17-0 at one point in games that he played. So that included EuroLeague, the early Olympics games before their two losses, and another international game or two, whatever the case may be. I don't remember what other competitions he played, but... That dude is already more accomplished than, like, a lot of 30-somethings and a bunch of other 20-somethings, obviously. He's arguably a top-five basketball player in the world right now. And, I mean, I'm, like, nervous about what he's going to do in the NBA these <laughs> yeah. coming next few years. Like, he's, he's that was good. the main thing for me. And also, I will, yes. I will last, last Olympic thought, just shout-out to um, – Jasmine Camacho Quinn. Yes, Holy Jasmine Camacho shit. Quinn. Shout out to her, yes. Woo! Listen, to double down and be like in 2017, stop asking me about Team USA. I'm running for Puerto Rico. My mom is Puerto Rican. 
I'm hey. fucking running for Puerto Rico, whatever. Her brother, Robert Quinn, on Instagram, his at Puerto Rican Bobby, still a high-level pass rusher in the NFL. Shout out to both of them. But Jasmine Camacho Quinn, dusting the hurdles, 100 meters, Olympic record, and representing Puerto Rico, giving us the second gold medal in history. The first was Monica Puig in tennis in 2016, and only 10 medals in history. She has one of them. So shout out to her, and also shout out to the Dominican Republic, because they got five medals this year. That's the yeah. most they've ever gotten. Um, and one of them was their baseball team. Their baseball team got the uh, bronze medal in the Olympics. So I wanted to shout out to uh, the homies. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, I think like you, I, the, the coverage was just annoying in terms of finding stuff. Um, I, I, I watched a lot of swimming early on. Um, my main thing of watching Olympics is always track and field. I'm always watching mm. that very heavily. Mm-hmm. Uh, gymnastics, yep. I do, women's gymnastics, I do enjoy watching. But with Simone Biles being out, that really took a lot of, you know, she was only in one event that she competed, you know, for the mental health reasons. And we hope that she's okay. That really kind of took the luster. I didn't really care about the rest of the team, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, even though, the, you know, there were some young girls on there new and they, they tried to perform well and did really well. Um, Suni Lee and a few a few others on the team. Shout out Suni Lee also. She yeah, was, shout she out was Suni fantastic. Lee. She was fantastic. I started I started laughing though when you mentioned track and field. Excuse me, <clears throat> because, uh, you know, like Lamont from Italy. We heard Bomani Jones talk about this, but like, and apparently he's a cop, which Bomani talked about his last podcast. Yes, I heard that. Yes, but like, I, something's really like I know he's a Lamont. Something's really awful me watching like Italy get the 100 meter gold. I can't like, believe that, that. Like that. And then I think they got like a medal in something else. I don't know if it was gold or silver in like relays. I don't remember four by one, four by yeah, four. It's, a four, it's a four by the four by the four by the four by uh four by one, I believe it was. I'm pretty sure it was a four by one. Yo, the Italian yeah. our Italian homies are. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, no, I, 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 just, I just, I didn't feel like I saw the Italian brothers and sisters with the same energy right. as when, as when Italy won the Euros uh, last month. I didn't oh, feel yeah. like it was the same energy, but you know, they should be out there now. I don't know if it was because it was an Italian homie named Lamont that was part <laughs> of a lot of this, so I don't, I don't know if that affected things. But I, when I saw Lamont from Italy, I was like, oh, oh, I didn't know they had Lamonts in Italy, but apparently they do. And Lamont is uh, one of the fastest men in the world, uh, rep in Italy. But with all that being said, the track and field um, was good. Obviously, we didn't get to see Shikari Richardson as well, too. So mm. I was disappointed. But, but I have to shout out. You got to shout out uh, your countrywoman. I got to shout out my countryman, Karani James. Mm, yes. Uh, he won a, a medal for the third consecutive Olympics, okay? This guy has done it, uh, done it many times. He won gold in 2012 silver in 2016 in Rio, and then a bronze this year in the 400 meters. Remember, he's the first ever uh, gold medalist uh, for Grenada, first medalist at all. He's won in every Olympic Games. He has made the country proud. We are one of the smallest nations in the Olympics, only 110,000 people, and we have another medalist because, you know, when it comes to the 400, we run things. Don't be mad. You understand what it is. You know what the energy is. Gotta let you know. I'm mad I don't have my Grenada flag ready to show people watching this. I should have had it ready for here. But, no, very proud of him and what he's done uh, for Grenada track and field. And we had some other people um, competing in track and field for Grenada. So that program looks like he's getting it up. But you also got to shout out and give a ton of respect to the man, Jamaica's, J- Jamaican women. Woo! Man, they're just out here dusting everybody. They've done it again. They're really running things in track. 
and they will continue uh, to do so. It looks like that program is really dominant. It's just crazy how much better they are than everybody else. So, you know, also shout out Shelly Ann Frazier and all the others on that team who, you know, really had epic performances at this. So, you know, it was enjoyable to watch that stuff, but we got to progress in terms of just the viewing and the viewing experience. I, hopefully that gets better. Uh, with the with the next Olympics com- coming up, we hope that changes. Women's boxing. Puerto Rico. started this month it's now quieted down we've seen some things happen different things go on brian uh just real quick because we're going to keep it really tight on this yeah. were you surprised at a lot of moves you like some of the moves we saw in nba free agency um what, what did you think about what we saw in nba free agency i mean you look like i know you wanted more trades we know that we know you wanted more trades but what, did you like what all went down with nba free agency see we have this thing on the show where <clears throat> I'm allegedly a Miami Heat fan, right? Allegedly. And put put Dexter back on the screen, please, Greg. Put us both back on the screen. Uh, because I gotta see his reaction when I say you that. Are. Um we have this thing, right, where I'm allegedly a Miami Heat fan. And let me say this. It's hard not to like a team when they keep getting players you like. Like, <laughs> like it's like Dex, it's like they're building the team for me. Kyle Lowry. <laughs> P.J. Tucker, Markeith Morris. Like, these are all O'Brien type of players. The O'Brien list is coming very soon. We are doing that very soon. Trust me. Uh, might do that next week. And it's like, wh- what do you want me to do, fam? <laughs> what do you want me to do? Like, I know. I, I have an answer to that. I know what we want you to do. Admit that you're a Heat fan. Like, how about that? How about just admit that you're a Heat fan? You can do that. And yeah, and fine. You want to tell me that I understand what you're saying. We know what your kind of team is. They're bringing in the players that you like, the players that embody the spirit of Brian, the players that want to fight. Brian's only probably disappointment for the Heat this offseason is one thing. And it's the fact they didn't sign Bobby Portis. Had they signed Bobby they Portis, tried, though. This they man would have been over the moon. <laughs> He'd have been over the moon because they signed Bobby Portis. They legitimately offered him a contract. And he decided to stay with Milwaukee, which, you know, I think that that's a good move on his part, though. I'm shocked at how little money he got. But apparently he turned down more money anyway. Uh, look, I think I, just real quick and leave, leave, leave the screen just like this, Craig. Trust me. I want, I want, I want to see what's your Dexter reaction. Now, I was very confident in the Heat a couple years ago on this podcast where I said that they could get to the finals and people were saying that they probably won't even get to the playoffs. I will not say that they're going to get to the finals definitively, but this is typically the kind of grinded out team who can find themselves in the finals. 
I still think that if you're talking about talent and things of that nature, like they're a touch behind uh, the Brooklyn Nets and Milwaukee Bucks, who I feel like are the clear number to, uh, number one and two teams in the Eastern Conference in whatever order, probably safe to put the Nets first. I love the Patty Mills signing, by the way. I want to say that. Love the Patty Mills signing for them and like that they kept Blake Griffin. I think, although he might be their starting center, we'll see how that goes for a full season. Um, and I like the Javon Carter trade. I like getting him and their rookies might be pretty good. Like the Nets are actually going to have some better depth. And Patty Mills is going to be good for the inevitable games that Kyrie Irving's going to miss. For the Milwaukee Bucks, mostly the same guys. Um, you know, lost P.J. Tucker. We'll see how important that is. Uh, we'll see. But Miami, man, they're going to be the team that I don't think anyone's going to want to face. And that's a cliche, but that's legitimately what it is. That's what you're talking about when you have a Jimmy Butler-led team. Bam. Kyle Lowry. P.J. Tucker. And, and you know, like, people shit on Tyler Hero, but... He did not have a bad second season. It was just disappointing in terms of the expectations people had coming out of the bubble, which to some degree in hindsight were probably unreasonable. I think that his role on this man, which is essentially going to be a six man, uh, is going to be very ideal. And you could like he'll have some interesting six man of the year odds, though he's not my primary choice. I'm looking to see what Malik Monk is going to be for the Lakers first. Uh, Kendrick Nunn is out there too. The Lakers, by the way, not bad. So I think that the Heat could get to the finals, though I wouldn't put them as the favorites, but this is a team where, and people, and the last thing I'll say about them is this, people, you know, the, the you know, giving Kyle Lowry a three-year deal at his age and Jimmy Butler giving him the max at his age and whatever, it's like, look, Pat Riley is 76, 77 years old. Um, he's going to be 80 soon. Mickey Harrison is above 70. Like these motherfuckers don't care about like four years from now, three years from now, <laughs> these deals. And this is what it is in the NBA. Now, all these type of contracts, it's all about the first year or two. Right. So the heat, it's basically a two year window is what you're banking on. Right. It's a two year window. And it's like, Jimmy Butler, what's he going to be in four years? Who gives a shit by then? Pat Riley, I don't know where he's going to be. Like, hopefully he's still with us. I don't know if he's going to still be with the Heat organization, but he's tying basically his last run to a Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry-led core, and they can figure it out down the line because they always have. They got Jimmy Butler for Hassan Whiteside, Josh Richardson, the first-round pick. They got Kyle Lowry after not trading. They want a hero, Duncan Robinson, and a first-round pick. They ended up getting him for Gordon Dragic and Preston Chua. This is an organization that always figures it out. Um, some do. The Lakers evidently are one of those at this point now because they have LeBron James. Some organizations just always figure it out. And, you know, they're going to do that again if it doesn't work down the line. But something tells me that this will, you know, work. To what extent, I don't know, but it'll work. Something tells me you are a Heat fan. We all know this. Uh, I do think to that point, I do think that the Heat are going to be one of those teams. That, it's funny. I will actually enjoy their style. Not as much as quietly as much as Brian will. But I will enjoy the style because you might see some of them try to muck it up. I think it's good to have different styles. you got an offense, a more finesse team with Brooklyn, and maybe a more physical team in Miami. I like that. We always talk about styles and make fights. We talk about this in combat sports. We talk about this in boxing. I like seeing this in the NBA. Somebody that's saying, all right, these are what these guys are going to be. This is what we're going to be. Um, I like what the Lakers did. I think a lot of people hated on the Westbrook trade and didn't give a chance for the roster to fill out. We saw they've been able to add some shooting. I'm a little concerned on how they'll play defense. We'll see how that goes, but the key for them will be Anthony Davis staying healthy. And last thing I will say uh, before we get to one time for your mind is the, the Knicks. I actually like what the Knicks did. I like a lot of what the Knicks did. I think the Kemba Walker move 
was a low flyer move. It's not going to cost them nothing. All these contracts that they signed have opt-outs after uh, two years, one on the Kemba deal, uh, after three years on the Evan Fournier deal. So none of these, the three- and the four-year deals aren't even to the last end of the contract. The Knicks kept their flexibility. They valued continuity. They might not be as good as they were in terms of record-wise or percentage last year or even see this higher, but I think what people will need to watch this season with the Knicks is what's the development of the young kids going to be. Just quickly take that next step. Does Obi take another step? Does RJ, who I think is growing nicely, take another leap? The development and the betterment of that team might hinge upon a lot of these young guys. Do they get another young guy that they drafted that comes in and also can make an impact? If that happens, then the team looks a lot deeper than what you might even realize. And so, you know, the Knicks, they didn't go big game hunting. They didn't get big names, but I think they kept the continuity. They built on the culture. I think those things are fine. Interesting NBA free agency. We now have summer league going on. We'll see how that plays out. We'll have a little bit of quiet time. But before you know it, we'll be right back at the end of September, starting training camp with the NBA season right around the corner. One time for your mind, one time. One time for your mind, one time. All right, one time for your mind this week. Got some interesting stuff to talk about. Brian uh, has a little bit to talk about that might go with politics. And I have an issue with how some people are putting campaigns out for certain people to go get the vaccine, but not talking to other people. I don't know what's up with that. Brian, what you got this week for one time for your mind? Didn't have a clear definitive one time for your mind. And then right before we started recording, uh, Andrew Cuomo, Decided to resign, so I governor feel like New York. I feel like governor of New York. I feel like uh, as New Yorkers and as people who follow this stuff, uh, although not necessarily political reporters or anything like that. But look, this is a big deal, and I feel like we should spend a couple minutes on this. Governor Cuomo, for people who don't know, uh, he is resigning. It is effective 14 days from this recording, so two weeks. Um, he will be replaced by Kathy Hochul, who's a New York lieutenant. Uh, and she'll be the state's first female governor. I think that's in the interim because there's still an election, um, you know, to to play out at some point. Uh, or it might not be. I'm not sure. Like, I don't know what the, the actual plan is there because this is all happening in real time. State investigation, and this is from CNN. A state investigation released last week found Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women and violated state law, which he denied at the time. And... Uh, is facing an impeachment investigation from New York's Assembly Judiciary Committee. Um, Dex, I mean, probably more than just multiple women, because we've heard reports about it being, you know, something around a dozen damn near. 11, yep. Yeah, it was something like a dozen, so it was 11, and, you know, it's been... Uh, verified at this point, you know what I mean? And at the beginning, people were like, oh, you know, he's Italian, whatever, they're touchy. And, you know, as a Puerto Rican, it's like, yeah, we're kind of touchy too. But <laughs> I mean, in the workplace, you can't be like grabbing ass when you're hugging your coworkers. You shouldn't be doing that with anybody except probably your significant other, I would assume. Um, and even that, you should probably, uh, you know, request, uh, you know, the, the, the actual, um, you know, nest. There should to not do be that. unwanted touching. That's <laughs> right. So yeah, try to sort of navigate that a little bit. Thank you for your assistance. But yeah, um, look, Cuomo was uh, somebody who rose during the pandemic. I don't think a lot of people outside of New York paid much attention to him before mm-hmm. that. And you know, 
people were praising him ourselves included for his leadership early on and then i felt like he got away from that too quickly i think a few of us noticed that and then he ended up getting a book deal and writing about secrets of how to survive during a pandemic while still in a pandemic and we are still in a pandemic so granted new york city not as bad as a lot of other places but still new york state rather because the governor of the whole state so he uh will be gone and you know we'll see what happens from here moving forward, but Dexter as a native New Yorker who is more knowledgeable than me on these sort of political dealings, what do you think of this? And do you potentially know anything about Kathy Hochul who will be in his place for the time being? I do not know about Kathy Hochul or a lot about her. Um, and we'll be uh, replacing him as Lieutenant uh, Deputy Governor uh, for the rest of his term. But I feel, I will say this, I don't have much to say other than obviously unwanted touching and sexual harassment in the workplace should not ever be tolerated. Um, what I will say, what's disappointing is the culture that seemed to be around there and how this was allowed to go on. It seemed through the investigative report, which was uh, done by Letitia James and the Southern District of New York and all their findings. The findings, I watched the conference, press conference last week, it was damning. And I immediately said, I don't know how we can recover from this how he can continue to work. A lot of people were calling for him to resign. Eventually it had to happen. His top aide resigned just 24 hours before the news of his resignation. So it was pretty inevitable. You know, after everything came out, he said he was gonna continue to do the work. He was gonna run most likely for reelection. Uh, obviously none of that is now, but you know, it's, it's disappointing um, in this society and time we're in at following the Me Too movement that a man would, would, not shocking, I should say, would abuse his power like this. Um, you understand how this works. Some of us have worked in workplaces, have seen this in workplaces. Maybe you've been in workplaces like I have, which I have, where they've been sexual harassment lawsuits and women uh, had to settle with the company and seen stuff like that. And a lot of this stuff gets swept under the rug. It's disappointing that women still have to go through this. But I think, I don't think this brings closure to any of the victims of the sexual harassment or assault. But, you know, today uh, in finding this news out and going forward for them, it's a good day for him. Remember, Cuomo is still going to their legal charges possibly being brought up against him for this. There have already been legal charges filed by a few of the women. So this is not out of the woods. It's not a story that's going away anytime soon. But, you know, we need to give kudos to those women that stepped forward and spoke out and with the investigation yep. findings being so damning in what, what, the, what they found. And I want to, because, you know, people are going to run to that whole oh, well, are these women making it up and blah, 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 11 women and the Southern District of New York and Letitia James. Let me tell you something. When those folks do investigations, they are thorough. Anything that comes on a federal level, they do not bring stuff forward that isn't going to stick, that won't hold up in a court of law, right? Even though this is now going through a whole nother process legally, and what can happen with the women bringing charges against them, they don't bring up stuff that doesn't stick. So I think this is also a cautionary tale. We need to be reminded of how prevalent sexual harassment still is in the workplace, what women still have to deal with, even in this time of Me Too and all the stuff that's happened. You know, it shows you there's still a lot of work to be done by men and men calling out other men when they see this behavior in any of these workplaces. This has to be called out. This has to be done. But there's still a lot of work to do. And I think it's also a cautionary tale on how Brian pointed out you could be lauded. He was highly lauded in March of 2020, right? Highly lauded for how he handled the pandemic. And April and May and, April, and May June. throughout the year. And then how quickly all things can come tumbling down when you aren't doing the right thing. We talked about the leadership he showed, but I'm not sure how much leadership he did show when you're sexually harassing women 
in the workplace and you're supposed to be the leader. That's not leadership at all. Moving on to what I have to talk about for one time for your mind. There's been a lot of talk, a lot of debate about people in whether or not they're going to be vaccinated uh, and how to get people who are, you know, maybe a little doubtful of taking the vaccine or they're anti-vaxxers for whatever reason that they are. There are now these commercial efforts that are out there to try to get people to vaccinate. But what I've seen with some of these commercials, they're targeting specific communities for this. A lot of lower income black and brown people are being targeted in, this, in these commercials. And look, I understand this to some degree, right? You got to meet people where they are, right? My problem in seeing these commercials and the question I've had pause, I've seen one commercial in particular with a black man who was, uh, and I'm doing air quotes for people not watching the show, was being portrayed as a quote unquote hustler out there, Okay. So they portrayed him as that. He's out in these streets, quote by him, moving things. I don't know why he would say that. I'm not sure what he was moving. I'd like to know what he was moving. Why is he doing an interview if if he is a hustler? Well, if he is, if he is, or (laughs) not a paid actor, he could be a paid actor for all we know. But he also said he was moving things and he was an entrepreneur, blah, blah, blah. And this got a lot of side eyes, particularly for some people on Black Twitter around this. And I understand so. And I did find it hilarious to some degree about him moving things and saying this in a commercial. But I did really wonder, okay, why are we seeing these commercials for white folks? Why are we seeing these commercials for low-income white folks? And then I'm going to go to another group that's been very strongly uh, against vaccination as it relates to COVID. And that has been Southern white evangelicals. Are we now having a campaign towards them? who I think really need to hear some of the actual information on why they should get vaccinated, are these efforts being done? So I question, when you see these efforts by different uh, organizations to try to get people vaccinated, and I think they mean well, not saying I don't think they mean well, I think they absolutely mean well. We do need to get more people vaccinated if we want to get this thing out of control. You see what's going on with the numbers with the Delta variant. So the numbers are there, the facts are there. You see how it's affecting mostly people who are not vaccinated. but. If we want to get this done, are we targeting everybody? Are we casting a wide net with this? Are we just kind of looking and pointing the fingers at the minority communities? Some of the misinformation that's been in the minority communities about why they should or should not get vaccinated. Are we just targeting them? Are we targeting everybody? Let's not leave those people in the majority communities, the white communities, who are staunchly against this, against this for a variety of reasons, and we're not trying to reach them too. Let's try to reach those people as well. We don't have to be biased in the efforts to get everybody vaccinated. All right, that's it for one time for your mind. That's also it for this episode of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Unbelievably, we are already at 190 episodes. You know, Brian likes the numbers. We're closer to 200. That also means we're closer to uh, a Brian uh, All-Star team and also closer to the 2021 Hip Hop Awards. Unbelievably, we're over more than uh, halfway through the year. So it'll be interesting. We ask you to continue to support us. Uh, rate, leave a review on whatever streaming platform you listen to. Please continue to support us that way. Also, be sure to get that book by Brian Hidalgo Heights out in stores right now. Uh, I will be finishing reading it very soon, so I have to do it. Hopefully, we also have another author coming on our next episode to talk to her about, talk to us about her first book. So that should be pretty interesting. Got a lot of good stuff coming up, uh, even though sports will kind of be a little bit quiet in America over the next couple of weeks. But we got some good stuff coming up on A Hotel Podcast. So for this episode 190 of the A Hotel Podcast, he's Brian Fonseca. He's a Heat fan. I'm Dexter <laughs> Henry rooting for y'all to get that vaccine. Until next time, y'all. Peace.